Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts. Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who was drafted 82nd overall by the New Jersey Devils in the 1998 NHL entry draft. After starring for the Boston College Eagles from 1997 to 2001, during his time with the Eagles, he won a national championship as their captain in the 2000. 2000 and 2001 season. He played in the NHL from 2001 to 2017, most recently with the Buffalo Sabres. In 1,006 NHL games, he scored 289 goals. He was a member of the 2006 USA Olympic hockey team, and now 12 years later, he is back chasing a gold medal as the captain of this year's USA Olympic hockey team. It is a thrill to welcome Captain Brian Gianta to WLIA Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Captain. Hey guys, how are you? We're doing great. You know, you're born one year prior to maybe the defining moment in USA hockey history, and that, of course, is the 1980 Miracle on Ice, uh, which got so many people into hockey in our country, helped youth programs all across the USA grow. You were involved with a lot of youth hockey programs in Rochester at an early age, and if I'm not mistaken, one of those programs actually had you playing out at Lake Placid. Did skating on that ice have any significance to you at that point in your life uh yeah i mean i think uh, for sure it did i mean going growing up i think usa hockey that that's the biggest thing uh like you said that's the most defining moment for usa hockey and i think uh any kid especially my generation it was lake placid you, you associated with lake placid and the miracle on ice and so when you got to go up there and play in tournaments up there uh it was pretty special to be walking around there but I think now, if I were to go up with my kids now, it would be even more special for me um, to, to really enjoy it as an adult and really knowing what has gone into it. I think when you're a youth hockey player, uh, it's all just dreams. And, but when you've gone through the NHL or you've played in the Olympics before, you really understand the magnitude of what they had to go through. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I know that your kids are involved in youth programs now. Uh, taking a look at the programs now and, and how how they differ from when you were, how big have the strides been in youth programs compared to when you played? And it's not that long ago either. Yeah, no, it's uh, in the last 20-plus years, I think, just the overall amount of people, amount of kids are getting involved with, in hockey. Uh, I think that's where you've seen a lot of the growth. I think we've done a great job at the grassroots of, of growing it, getting people interested in the game, and then – Another huge thing is, is the skill development. The kids coming up nowadays, I mean, the kids that are 12, 14 years old, um, they're doing things NHLers can't do, like skill-wise, like uh, the way they stick handle and the way they can, um, the stuff they can do with the puck. It's, it's really amazing the development that, that goes into youth hockey at, at this level now and uh, what maybe we didn't have back then. You know, after your youth hockey days, you go on to play your college hockey under the legendary Jerry York. And I don't want to make you feel old at all, but when you started playing for Jerry, he was at game 109 of his now 947 games coached at Boston College. You look at the list of players that that program has produced just recently. You know, Johnny Goudreau, Chris Kreider, Kevin and Jimmy Hayes, Corey Schneider, Brian Boyle, Cam Atkinson, Brooks Orpic, the guy we heard from at the top of the hour, Rod Scuderi, uh, yourself, to name a few. What makes him 
such an amazing coach to be able to get so many players from that program into the NHL? Well, I think what uh, anyone would say about uh, Coach York is just the type of person he is. He's just the lowest key, um, a nice guy, and he means well by every kid that comes through his program. And so I think if you're if you're a parent and you're 17, 18-year-old kids looking at schools and he comes into your house and with how he handles himself and you know he's, your son or daughter is going to be in great hands uh, going to a school like that and led by a guy like that. I think it's, I think that's the upper hand. I think that's what draws people to him is, is he's just such a great guy, a nice guy. He's obviously had a ton of success. The program speaks for itself. But uh, when he walks into your living room, uh, the humbleness of him, uh, the gentleman in him, I think that's what sells everyone on him. And, you know, I've played with a lot of, a uh, couple Long Islanders out of there with Skidari at BC and uh, Marty Hughes back in the day. Um, and so a lot of great products have, you know, found their way up from, you know, southern New York or eastern New York up to uh, BC just because of his reputation. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to USA Olympic hockey captain Brian Gionta. And I know AJ went to college up in the Massachusetts area, and AJ is not the biggest of hockey fans, right, we- but... What he does love to talk about is the Beanpot Tournament and, and what that does. That is a real, real big deal. Right. So what was that like for you as well to play in one of those? It's a huge deal. It's, uh, it's amazing. Same thing. Yeah, you're not from that area. When I first got to school, you're going through it. And I think it was the freshman year. I mean, we lost in the Beanpot. We ended up going to the national championship game and – and we lost in double overtime in the national championship game. But all anyone in the area talked about <laughs> was the, the beanpot. And then we yeah. lost the beanpot, and you're not any good because you lost the beanpot. I'm like, we went to the national championship game. We're in double overtime. We could have won the, the national championship, and all they're worried about is their beanpot. And so it puts into perspective how massive it is for the people uh, up there. It, it's crazy. It's definitely something, if you've never experienced to go to, it, 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 yeah. the passion of the fans, it's, it's an absolutely amazing event. You know, it's interesting, of all those players that you know, I, I named uh, that program has produced, you look back at that program, and even before those players, all under you know, Jerry, there's so many that have made it to the NHL. When you reflect on the fact that you are the all-time leading goal scorer, 123 goals in your college career, you know, does that give you a, a bigger sense of pride knowing how many great players have come through that program and you are the leading all-time goal scorer? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something I really haven't put much thought to, but absolutely. I mean, if you, if you look back and see all the greats that have come through, guys that have had great careers in the NHL, um, you know, you have all-stars, uh, Leeches and your Garens, and, um, you know, you have guys that have been in the league for a long time. I, um, for sure. I, I think it's just so early. Uh, I'm still in the moment that you don't have a chance really to sit back and reflect on your career yet. And so I think when that happens, it will really, uh, that would be the feeling that I get for sure. We mentioned in the open that you're drafted by the Devils, 82nd overall. And it's, it's an interesting question for you tonight because uh, just yesterday, three years ago, um, we had Michael Dalcole on right after he was drafted. And yesterday I had the opportunity to go interview him after his first NHL game and his debut, which you know took three years to get there. But you know that draft day is always something special to players. What do you remember about that day and who you know called you to say that you got drafted and picked? Well, it was, um, it, w- it was actually the, the draft was in Buffalo 
ended up being in Buffalo that year. And I was projected anywhere between the third and the sixth round. And my agent was like, you know, you can go if you want because it was an hour's drive. So yeah, close to home I remember we had a bunch right? of family and friends that came. And, you know, it was all in one, one day back then. It wasn't the first round uh, the night before. It was, it was all in one day. And I just remember waiting around, waiting around. And when they called my name, it, it was a dream come true. I mean, I had all my family and friends there uh, supporting me. And to have your name called, and when New Jersey brought me down to the table, um, mostly guys that only had their names on the back of their jerseys for guys that were, were drafted in the first round. And so I'm a third rounder. I get down there, and they have a jersey made up with my name on it. And so it made me feel like this team really wanted me for who I am and what I can offer them. And, you know, I couldn't thank New Jersey enough. It was my eight years there under Lou Lamorello. He taught me a lot about the game and, and being a professional and obviously have a Stanley Cup with them. So it was – I couldn't come into a better organization. Let me just break in for a second. Minnesota on a last-second touchdown pass beats New Orleans. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you mentioned your national championship with the Eagles, and then you just mentioned the fact that you won the Stanley Cup with the Devils. And we've spoken to so many players who have won the Cup. In fact, uh, there was a book called Raising Stanley by Russ uh, Bernstein that talked to players just about that specific moment and what went through their mind the second a teammate handed them that Cup and they raised it over their head. What do you remember about that moment? Uh, I remember it vividly. It was – it was. Uh... What you think of when you're raising that, you, you're, everything's rushing through you. It's a, it's a dream. Every, every kid uh, playing street hockey, playing knee hockey, playing mini sticks, they dream of winning the Stanley Cup. They, they go through it millions of times in their heads and, and announcing it themselves that, you know, they've won the Stanley Cup. And so when you get that passed to you and you've gone through what you've gone through with your teammates and the long grind of the season, the long grind of the playoffs, and you can barely lift that thing, and then it feels so light because it's just a dream. And so that's, that's what I remember most is just looking up at it and being like, man, I did it. I'm in the NHL and I won the Stanley Cup. You know, I'm, I'm 57 and I still have that dream every so often yeah. at night. It's not going to happen, but it's a pretty cool dream. Uh, you know, a few minutes ago, I asked you to reflect on all the great former Eagles that played and there and that you're still the all-time leading goal scorer. This one, this question might be a little tougher. Toe Blake, Maurice the Rocket Rashad, Jean Bellevue, Andre Rashad, Yvonne Cornway, Serge Savard, Bob Gainey, Chris Chelios, Guy Charbonneau. All of those guys got to wear the C for one of the most storied franchises in NHL history. You got to wear that C for four years. What did that mean to you, you know, being the captain of the Montreal Canadiens? Additionally, being an American being the captain of that franchise, was there additional pressure for you for that? Um, well, there's there's always pressure in Montreal. It's <laughs> it's one of the most pressure-packed places to play. Um, and then to be the captain there, it, it adds another level to it. I was fortunate enough to have been already deep into my career in the NHL uh, before I experienced that. And I'm, I'm lucky that that had been the case because a young guy coming into that situation or something like that, the the pressure that is put it, it it can bury bury guys especially guys that are, are younger and inexperienced so I just the people of Montreal the organization the media were all super um, accepting of me 
of an American kid coming in, uh, being a captain of their storied franchise. I, I think I have to thank them for making it easy on me because they really, they were great with me. They accepted me. Um, and they had a great pride in the fact that, uh, I was their captain for those four years. How's your French? I was just going to ask. <laughs> it was, it was all right. We had a French tutor for four years. Oh, really? Come to the house for me and the wife and, um, you know, because all the kids schooling came home in French, so yeah. oh, we had wow. a crash course in it for sure. So um, <laughs> it's slipped a bit nowadays, but I can get by, I'd say. <laughs> 2006 Olympics, you're coached by Peter Laviolette. His assistant coach was Mike Sullivan. Chris Chelios was the captain. The gold went to Sweden, who was led by a goaltender uh, by the name of Henrik Lundqvist, actually. Um, what was that Olympic experience like for you? You were the third youngest player on that team. You led the team with four goals as well. What was that first Olympics like for you? Oh, it was it was awesome. I, I loved my experience. Disappointed in our finish, but um, overall, it's it was. I played with all guys that I grew up, you know, dreaming to be with. Your Kachuks, your Doug Waits, uh, your Billy Garens, your Chelioses, your Madonos. Those are all staples of USA hockey, and for my generation, that's who you looked up to. And so, to play in the Olympics and play alongside those guys, it was uh, surreal, and uh, it was it was what I thought a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to go back. It's interesting because the captain of that team is now an assistant coach with this squad, Tony Granato's the, the coach. You're the oldest member of this team. Back in 2016, there was a 17-year age difference between you and Captain Chris Chelios. That's the exact same age difference between you and Jordan Greenway and Troy Terry. How was Chris with the younger players in 2006? And given that that team was made up of all NHL players and this one is not, how do you see your role with these younger players on this team? Chris was awesome. He was great with us, um, and especially me as a young guy. But you, you pull on their experiences and what they've been through. And so I think I will try to do the same with, you know, you have four or five college kids. Uh, that are just cutting their teeth and, and trying to make their way in their careers. And then you have guys that have had some NHL experience and that are really, you know, this is their once-in-a-lifetime thing, and they're super excited to go over there and um, experience their dreams of, of hopefully bringing home a gold medal. So uh, I think we'll have a highly motivated team, and I think for my part it's it's trying to bring some stability to uh, a tournament that at times is – is going to be up and down, and you're trying to keep an even keel. So I think you draw on some of the experiences I've had in my career and, and try to impart that on everyone on the team. We're talking with USA Olympic hockey captain Brian Gianta. So I have a question. Obviously, what's different about this year's Olympics as opposed to the past two is there's no NHL players, no after active NHL players. How different do you think the game will be, and how different do you think the level of competition will be without the NHL? Well, the level of competition is going to be great. The, like I said, these are all guys that, um, even if they're in college, they're high draft picks or, or top prospects. Um, the guys that are in Europe playing now are all guys that have played in the NHL, so the, the level of talent is extremely high. Um, the level of competition is just going to – you don't know where other teams fall because it's a completely different player pool. So there is no clear-cut favorite, and it's hard to handicap it. So it's, it's anyone's tournament, and so that, for that – the excitement of it, um, that anyone going in has a chance to win, I think that's going to be the biggest storyline. 
It's also interesting because you look at the makeup of the team, and, and it's always interesting. And I go back to, to 1980, and you look at the conglomeration of, of where these guys were. A lot of Boston guys, lots of Minnesota guys. Uh, there are, I think, four or maybe five guys from New York on this team as well. Um, have you kind of looked at this and, and said that, you know, this, is, this harkens back even though lots of guys like you know, Matt Gilroy and um, others have played in the NHL, this team kind of harkens back to the original, you know, ten, you know, the the meaning of the Olympics. You know, you're not amateurs, but it, it, it's not like it's not like the dream team. This is a, a different type of team, and is that, you know, to put that in perspective with that 2006 team and this team, what is the experience you're hoping to get out of these particular games? Well, it's. I I hope to medal. It's one thing I haven't done in my career, is uh, an Olympic medal, and so I would love nothing more than to add that. But like I said, the guys, majority of these guys have all had NHL experience and have been looked over at some point in their career, and maybe carry a chip on their shoulder because of it. And this is their time to shine, and this is their time to make their career. This is their time to open up eyes to get back in the NHL. Or it's their time to just, you know, enjoy their dream. So um, I'm looking forward to the excitement that everybody on the team already shares. And so um, I'm looking forward to getting over there and, and starting it. You know, you mentioned that there are two guys on that team on the defensive end that I got to see play a lot. And you cannot tell me that these guys are not NHL caliber players, and that's Matty Gilroy and Bobby Saganetti. Um, you know, Bobby Saganetti was just all world in the OHL, and, and you know, I don't believe that that talent just disappears. I, I think he definitely can still help a lot of teams back on a blue line. So that will be interesting to see. You, you know, you're, you're currently listed as a free agent. Uh, you most recently played for the Sabers, where you were the captain. They, you scored 15 goals. Uh, there are currently nine players in the NHL who are 38 years or older. Uh, teams with cap space and looking to firm up their rosters maybe took taking a look at these Olympics as a source to do so. Um, have you given any thought uh, as to that, the, the possibility that having a really good Olympic run could further your value to a team that, that's contending for a Stanley Cup? Yeah, for sure. It, it's something that's come up. And, um, you know, I had a, a few uh, options in the summertime to sign with teams and, uh, you know, based off of where I was in my career and, and uh, family situations, um, you know, I, I decided to kind of go uh, with the route I'm at. And so if a team is looking for somebody like myself, I'm definitely interested, and um, I'd definitely take a look at that. It's, it's, a, it's a dream come true to every day spend it in the NHL, and you're very fortunate to be able to do it and if I have that opportunity, it'd be awesome. If I don't, um, I'm completely content with where I'm at in my career and what, I, what uh, I've been able to accomplish. Lastly, if this is the end, you know, the Olympics ends you know, for you and that's it, what do you think has been the, the crowning moment in your career to date? Uh, I mean, I think you've you got to go with a, a Stanley Cup. It's, it's the hardest trophy to win. Um, it's extremely difficult, and to be able to have accomplished that at the highest level, um, I'd say that's a crowning moment. There's been lots of highs, um, way more highs than lows, and so I'm completely content uh, either way this this plays out, and um, I'm at peace uh, no matter what. 
All right, Brian, we appreciate it. You know, bring home the gold. And, and I'm going to say this right now. I'm willing to bet that after the Olympics, at one point during this season, I'm going to be covering a game where I can go in and interview Brian Gianta, whether it be in a Ranger locker room or one of the visiting teams. I have a feeling we need, that we need some help. We, we, <laughs> you know, down we, the do, we do need help down the middle. So, uh, Brian, best of luck to you. We will be watching. The Olympics. We won't be getting a lot of sleep because he's going to be on, you know, middle it's of the not night. So bad though. It's like until <laughs> nine o'clock. The games were set. They're going to be live or on tape delay. I don't. They, you know, I, no. There, there are two of our three prelim games are at like seven in the morning right. Eastern time. Yeah. Uh, they're oh, nine o'clock our time over there, and then one is like oh, uh, a noon game over there. So I think it ends up. I don't know what it ends up being here. Yeah, yeah, so we'll be up watching with coffee and uh, right. And we're, <laughs> our bosses are not going to be happy. People are going to be watching, streaming these things on their computer. But uh, that's what the Olympics has always been about. So it's a lot of fun, and we wish you the best of luck. Enjoy it. Your whole family going over? Yeah, we're trying to get them all over there, and they experienced it the first time around. So we're trying to uh, make the same thing happen this time. Oh, wow. Awesome. Best of luck, Brian. We appreciate your time tonight. Thank you, guys. You got it, Brian Gianta, the captain of your USA Olympic hockey team.